Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. This episode, I had a wonderful conversation with Ruby Amanfu, an extraordinary woman. Let's see, the list of all the things she does is really long. So she is a performing songwriter artist. So in other words, you know, she writes songs too, as well as performs. Um, she's a model. Uh, she is an activist. She loves to cook. Uh, she's funny. <laughs> she's very funny. Uh, she's beautiful. Well, I said she's a model, so of course she's beautiful. Um, but she's beautiful inside, which to me is the best kind of beautiful. Um, what else? Uh, you know, we talk a lot about what's going on in the world and how she feels about her place in the world as, you know, I talk about how I feel about my place in the world. It's weird times out there, folks. So I just, every everyone who knows Ruby knows her, of course, from the fact that she's a phenomenal artist, but also, you know, she tours with Jack White and Ryan Adams and, and Sam and Ruby and, uh, and all this stuff. And it's fantastic. However, I wanted to talk to Ruby as Ruby, not Ruby as all these other things. So, um, I really dug it. I dug my time with her and I hope you dig it too. All right, here we go. Oh, and I almost forgot. If you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, please do so. And, um, I think that's it. Oh, heyhumanpodcast.com if you want to check out the website. Okay, now for realsies. Here we go. Hi, Ruby. Hi, Suze. <laughs> <laughs> Today we've got Ruby Amanfu. So exciting. I'm very excited to, to have this conversation. Can't me wait. Me too. Me too. So hopefully it won't disappoint you. I know it's not going to disappoint <laughs> me. I'm really excited. I'm excited too. And we have some wine. Yes, delicious. Because humans love wine, people. And the brand of wine is called Simple Life. Mm-hmm. Right? What about Here's that? Here's to that. Here's to that. So tell the fine folks... Who may not know your awesomeness? What uh, <laughs> what it is that you do? Starting with, I mean, you were born in Ghana. Yeah, I was born in Ghana, West so Africa. You're an immigrant. Yes, God forbid. Right? Yeah, full on. Thank God you were an immigrant when you were a bebe, and yeah. I'm trying to be an immigrant now. It's a little I more know. complicated. These I know days. it's so complicated, but it's so funny because I didn't become a citizen of the states until I was in my early twenties. Wow. And that was twofold. First, you know, we had our green cards, which now I hear is exceptionally hard to get. And very expensive. Yeah. All that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we came to this country, we were really blessed to have sorted all of that out in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so we came, you know, we basically came here with that kind of sorted. Or, and or your sorted whole family, quickly. mom, dad. Mom, dad, sister, sister brother, and myself. Okay. I'm, I'm the middle. And so we got on the plane. I was one month away from three years old. My sister was five. My baby brother was four months old. Wow. I and, just, uh, just for a moment to think about traveling yeah. with small children that far. And not just on a vacay, moving to a new country it's a major and deal. culture. And, yeah. yeah. So, um, what was the impetus? Why did they decide to move here? My dad, at the time, he was a computer programmer. Okay. And he was the eldest of four boys. And his father had passed away when he was, I think, five years old. Mm. And as the eldest, and especially in that culture, 
you take care of the family. Sure. And, you know, by any means. And so the best opportunity for my father to do that was to leave Ghana and to make money, you know, more money, and then send it back to the family. So he was considering jobs in different parts of Europe and also the States. And the job he chose was in Nashville, Tennessee. Random. Yeah, it it was amazingly so. But you know what? We had some friends. My parents had come up in their, you know, early 20s with another wonderful couple, the Semenyas, and uh, another couple called the Asantes. And they had moved to Nashville at, you know, differing times. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, you know, I think that was also one of the reasons my dad considered Nashville. But they couldn't have been better, and the opportunity, job opportunity for him could not have been better. And our family was really taken care of and protected. And and when we came here, it was truly just, um, it felt like everything was laid out. Like It was the American dream as it was yes. supposed to be. Yes. The way it originally was. That's right. Yeah. You were absolutely right. Yeah. The way that. The way that our forefathers, for lack of a better yep. pool to dig from, right? Pool to dig from, <laughs> pool to swim in. Yeah, that that was that was what they wanted was that people could come from anywhere. That's right, with 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 open arms as as opposed to machine guns. Yeah, which or I guess are well, AK yeah, sevens these days. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it, you know, and so it, so it really, <laughs> gosh, I know, and it really hits home for me to see what is going on right now with with everything and with, with, with people who are trying to come to the States for, or, or other countries even from their own for differing reasons, you know, oppression in, within their own countries and which is, you know, a really big one that obviously a lot of us are talking about right now and we know about what's been going on. It's really easy for an American who has a pretty, even, even those who don't have a great life, it's still a billion times better than some of the people in these countries that are just ravaged. Yeah, and and we really have no idea. Most most Americans can't even fathom it. Mm-mm. And 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 to that end, I think that's why what comes off as um, lacking empathy is just is just true ignorance. Yeah. And you know, it's funny when when I was coming up, just as children do, you hear words. And I remember, I think I was about eight. And I heard the word ignorant, and I think a teacher used it, said ignorance, you know, and I was like, oh, but ignorant, that's the word that we use on the playground to make fun of other kids. We say, you're ignorant. Like, I didn't, you know, but I, did, I would hear it said, like, like, oh, you're ignorant, you're ignorant. You know, and people would laugh about it because, to me, I translated it as stupid or as, you know, incapable of learning. I think it's often translated to be stupid, but it's not. It's, it's just not. a lack of knowing, lack of education. It's just lack of lack of knowledge. Very right? smart people, intellectual, like yes. people who have the capacity yeah. for knowledge, could be very ignorant. That's right. Yeah. And if there's something that I don't know, I will use that word for myself and not think anything about it. And then that's that's the that's. That's the way I wish more and more people were, mm-hmm. to not take it as a threatening word, but as a word, it's like, you know, if you say, you know, I am ignorant to this, it's like mm-hmm. an opportunity to Although learn. We live in a culture right now, I feel like uh, there's a, a, a villainy to intelligence. If you're smart, it's somehow vilified, and that the yeah. dumber you are, the more you're in status quo. I know, I know that's not exact, I mean, that's hyperbole, of course, but... S- 
it seems like the dumbing down of humanity. Uh-huh. We're not just talking about America. Yeah. I yeah. can pick on America till the day is long, but it's not just here. Well, but what you're saying really does resonate with think, talking about being a kid in school again. Like, think about who was made fun of. Who was called a nerd and a geek? Yeah. You were know? you ever called anything heavy duty because the color of your skin, or were you, was that not really? Because you went to nice schools. Yeah, yeah. You grew up in a. In I a, was lucky. Yeah. I was lucky. You know, in the first part of 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 my life in Nashville, Tennessee, and in the states, and in the south, we, by the way. Let's. I mean, yeah. You know what's funny is, you know, my parents did a good job of making us feel safe within the environment that they moved us to and the schools that they, you know, sent us to. But as much as my parents wanted to, I think, continue that protection, it's expensive to, you know, that, that to protect your children in this country is expensive. And what do you mean by that? Expound on that a bit. Like, even something is where where are you going to put them in daycare? You know, is it going to be a daycare that you know they're going to be well fed and taught? Or are you going to, you know, because the ones that are they're cheap, you're going to sit your children. They're oh, going to sit the you yeah. know kids you in droves and corners, yeah. and they're not going. They're just going to sit there and they're not going to be educated. There's no, you know there's not going to be inter- any interaction. Um, and um, the school systems also, for, you know. Everyone's talking these days about Montessori schools versus public schools or private schools versus public schools. And I know that when my parents, when our family first moved here, my parents were initially, you know, concerned about what would we be taught in this place that in Ghana, there are certain um, assumptions about America and American children and the lack of discipline that sometimes they have, like... We do not talk back to our parents. We don't, there's there's a certain level of respect that you that you learn that carries over into your life. So not so that you're subservient, but just so that you can give the same respect that you want for yourself. Like a 1950s America, I, an idealistic 1950s America. Well, that's I don't. That's the thing is I I have a hard time even knowing what that looks like because when I think of 1950s, I, I also white, think about exactly because yeah. I think of when I when I hear 1950s, I'm also thinking about Jim Crow and where yeah, I wouldn't sure. be able to sit where I. I, I say then. that as a white person, of course. So sure, a, a yeah. white 1950s ideal mm-hmm. white kid of yeah. mean don't talk back to your teachers don't talk back yeah. to your parents but in yeah. you know in the 1950s black people were being rounded up and hung from right. trees still right. so I mean <laughs> yeah and that's know. not even that long ago it's still no, it's it blows not. my mind all the time when I stopped it people talk yeah. about all the stuff going on and I'm like we have we haven't outgrown that we haven't learned no. from anything and it was just yesterday I really, know in it really was of, and that's in the states. And think about South Africa, and it was even oh, less time. It yeah. was even less time. Yeah. So you know, so what I say when I say it's expensive to protect your children here, um, you know, just anything that is is healthy <laughs> or safe, it's going to cost more. Whether the neighborhood you choose, for instance, oh, that's a good point. If you are if you choose to live in a neighborhood that you know the crime rates are lower, sure. it's going to cost you more. If you choose to put your your child in a school system to keep their minds safer, to keep their minds you know educated or and safer or whatever, it's going to cost you more. So, you know, my parents wanted to continue that for the whole time, 
but it got expensive. With and three children. With three imagine. children and with sending money back to Ghana and, you know, to take care of the family back there, as was the, you know, mission as well. It's expensive. And, and my parents worked tirelessly and even for what they did and how much they worked day and night there's still only so much you can do mm-hmm. so at a certain point um uh you know the, the private school education had to be modified and luckily um we ended up getting into um megs and martin luther king magnet you know megs magnet martin luther king magnet and it's then a, it's they explain the magnet school. Yeah, might not know the magnet means. school is an amazing situation where if your if you are a child or your child shows promise in in school in scholastic, you know, scholastic yeah, sure. promise, you can have an opportunity to get an education that. Um, an otherwise elite school, like for Nashville, that would be like Ensworth, you know, or um, Montgomery Bell Academy or Harpeth Hall. There, there are schools that you have to pay thirty plus thousand dollars a year to go to to get an education that, you know, the magnet school system gives you, and you go there for free. You, you test in. And then you get selected and accepted. So does it mean that there are different kinds of teachers or that there's only a small... Because I know like the, the students, yeah. the classrooms are overrun and all this kind of stuff. So a magnet school isn't placing you in a Montgomery Bell or the equivalent. No, it's its own school. It's its own school. It's its own school. And there is a focus on... Um, on in, um, How should I say this? There is a focus on the elevation of education. Now, wouldn't it be something if every school just had that in general? Wouldn't it be? But see, there we go. There's the division of rich yeah. versus poor, black versus white, you right. know, whatever whatever division line yeah. you want to throw down. Yeah. It should be that schools are just fucking awesome. Schools are just, exactly. And that it's a great education yep. and that we're churning out bright, excited mm-hmm. minds. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. reality, and it's. I don't feel like that should be utopian, nor do I yeah. feel like it should be Pollyanna to think yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and it's not, and and these are things that we're trying to to change. You know, especially also in Nashville with our school board. You know, and um, there are some great things that have been done, but there are some things that have not been addressed, and and we're in a time now where we really have to address those things. Um, and as you know, going back to money, like money is a big thing, and. If a teacher feels, you know, that they are not being valued by the system, it's going to affect, a lot of times it just naturally affects how they perform. Sure. The same thing for me, if I have a show where somebody's giving me a thousand bucks to perform a show, I'm going to try harder, have, maybe even have an extra rehearsal you know, with my well, band I because it. I can afford it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I can afford it. Whereas if I have a show and they're like, you know, 250 bucks, that's your take. My band members are not going to want to even maybe rehearse once. We're going to have to do a line check and rehearse at the venue. There's nobody wants to be as excellent. It's just the way it goes. And you can't say, oh, you should always be excellent all the time. Yeah, that's true. But when you're stressed out about everyday things like how to pay your bills, how to feed yourself, and you want to, to you know, going back to the band thing, you know, 
when you want to give people what you know they are worth, you want to show them that you value them. Yeah. And if you can't, you're going to feel shame for that, mm-hmm. and it's going to express itself. Yeah, it's not like Bob goes into work as an engineer, and that morning his boss is like, well, today we're going to pay you $250. Thank we you. We expect you right. to do $1,000 worth of engineering. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> a great weird. analogy. Yeah, it's a strange thing that creatives go... I know we're jumping around a lot, but it's a strange thing that creatives... Yeah. Everybody wants to absorb creativity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. since the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. You know, the gods, yeah. you know, loved it. They would up on Mount Olympus looking right. down going, yeah, play on, play on. Yeah. And yet nobody wants to value it at anything. It should be just given. I don't get that. I don't know how anybody can go to their job every day, expect to be paid, and then turn around and look at someone who's a creative. And I don't care, any creative, yeah. dancer, musician, writer, doesn't matter to right. me, you know any of those things a painter that somehow it's okay to not value them you know it, but that's it, humanity that's yeah a, a lack of understanding of how humans value each other it is it is and I can't say that it doesn't baffle me still even though I have been you know a creative for my profession for you know yes forever and it still frustrates me and it still baffles me it's still something I'm trying to figure out you know and as we continue forward in this industry in this entertainment industry trying to now every day we're trying to figure out how can you monetize this how can you how can you continue to do this and still put food on the table and keep a roof over your head and pay your you know your rent or your mortgage most of us it's rent let's be honest you know and how can you do that without you know I mean gosh I don't know many people in my situation who don't have um, second careers or you know second Third jobs or, or thirds or exactly yeah. <laughs> you know and, and present company included yeah yeah me too and this is the thing is that people don't they don't want to know that hmm. they just want to see you know the art without knowing what the sacrifice was to create the art. Yeah. Well, and I think going back a few years, shows like MTV Cribs probably did a major disservice yes. because then all of a sudden it appears like anyone that sits down to yep. do music is just sort of eating bonbons and right. doing laps in their infinity pool. Oh, yeah. But and that's not the reality no. of most of us. And it's true that over the history of time, artists, again, mm-hmm. dancers, musicians, painters, whatever have died penniless yes. not not knowing you know the, yes. the, not right. having the experience of having quote unquote a success I don't know what success means I mean that's such a made up word anyway but yeah. um, but we the, can you can talk about specific levels yeah. of success there's specific right. divisions of success and yes. if you're talking about financial success health insurance is always nice I <laughs> that is nice that's the thing and that, that takes a bulk of my income really yeah so. yeah it is very expensive. And I remember being on the phone this January with my insurance company and asking why it had gone up almost $100. Because you aged a year. Because I aged a year. Mm-hmm. And nothing else had changed. And, and they also, you know, gave me some BS about how, uh, you know, well, it's how, that, well, this is it's true, but it's also something that is a break in the system, is a dysfunction in the system about the cost of health care rising. Which is true. So they're trying. They're having to take it from people, but at that point, they're not. There's no rhyme or reason to whom they take it from. They just take it. Well, not only that, but I mean, they they go 
totally on statistics and whether or not you are an elite athlete or you mm-hmm. know sitting on your couch weighing 400 pounds it doesn't matter your statistical data Mm -hmm. if every year we were able to i mean i could probably run circles around my insurance agent Mm -hmm. honestly right i mean i would probably beat him in a lap race or whatever (laughs) but they don't look at that they just look at your your age group color of your skin right you know how much money you make all that stuff because yeah you know and it's it's ridiculous yeah and someone's making a lot of money, of course. Um, well, we, we know that. Yeah. We know it's how a bro- much that's money. That's a broken system. Too. Yeah, 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 it is. You know, and there have been years where I have said, you know, no to health insurance by principle alone. And there have been years where I have had to say no to insurance by lack of lack of income. And then there you know, have been years where, you know, I just make it work. And it's 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 still hard. It's hard. I don't think in my adult life I've ever had a year where I don't worry about paying my bills. And that is shocking to me as I say it out loud because of of you know the amount of work I continue to do you would think that but you know what this like I'm going back to teachers because the same thing applies. I think teachers should make as much as doctors. I so wholeheartedly agree. That is the way it should be. I so, so, and and the requirements for their education should be held to a standard yes. as well. Yes, I am appalled yes. at some of the, you know, when I babysat for my friend's kids or mm-hmm. whatever, and the things yeah. that, they, I'm like, where did you learn that? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. some, of, some of the teachers, and I, I, I think teachers, police officers, all these guys, I mean, oh my fire, gosh. Yes. firefighters, yes. these are, yes. They're all doing God's work. I know. You know? Yeah, we need to take the money away from some folks and give it to others. I don't even know. I mean, is that terrible to say? I don't know. I mean, I think an opinion is an opinion. If you're paying a baseball player who's exceptional at his job, granted, but if you're paying him $200 million a year and there are five and four year olds who can't get health and, you know, can't get go to see the doctor. Or who do go to the doctor and then end up with medical bills that completely destroy the family. Yeah. That's a broken world. Let's talk about this. What do you think, why do you think that there are a lot of people, not everybody, because I know there are a lot of people with a really, really hefty income who do give back. Absolutely. But, sure. but why do you think that there are people who make an exorbitant amount of money who who don't naturally say I am going to give away this percentage because I don't need it. What do you think that is? I mean, I think that's probably a couple different things. One, ego, and I don't mean ego like on the shit. I mean ego like your ego versus your soul. Mm. It's somewhere in they think that they're mm. not that they're not deserved. They probably worked very hard for the money, yeah. or maybe they inherited it. Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is an an inherent Thing that happens to a human being where they become a person and they either see themselves as an individual mm-hmm. going through the world or they see themselves as part of humanity. Oh, wow. That's that. It's the only way I resonates. Can, yeah, yeah. It's the only way I can look at it because it seems to me that the people. And it it's directly correlates with how they feel about themselves. I will say that until I'm blue in the face. Mm-hmm. Nobody treats another human being mm-hmm. uh, except for how they feel about themselves. You are absolutely right. Yeah. So the man or woman walking down the street that can't look in the eyes of the homeless person, mm-hmm. 
that really doesn't have much to do with the homeless person. Mm-hmm. It has to do with their own feeling of them. Yes. Right. Uh, right. Maybe maybe they're wealthy and they somewhere in them they don't feel worthy of that and so they overcompensate by buying a you know four hundred thousand dollar car mm-hmm. to somehow mm-hmm. feel worthy. But it's my experience. I can only speak from my experience that no matter what your wealth level. I mean, I'm not rich, obviously, yeah. but the people I have known and the, pe- the company I have kept, um, th- that money absolutely, emphatically does not buy happiness. Yeah. In fact, for some, it causes more misery because they try and fill this God-shaped hole. And I reference God, and it doesn't matter whether you're religious or not, it's an yeah. expression. Right. You know, to fill a God-shaped hole right. will never work. It's, right. it's an infinite amount of empty. Yeah. Right. So what are you going to do? So right. that uh, that's a long-winded answer to your wow, question. Wow, it absolutely resonates. It completely... And I wish it weren't the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what happens. Every soul has its own journey, I guess. And and I I personally believe in reincarnation. So mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, maybe in the last life I was a dick. I have no idea. Maybe, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying I feel like every soul, as they move through, kind of experience... All these different things. Oh, wow. You know, mm-hmm. I was the rapist. I was raped. I was a murderer. I was murdered. I was mm-hmm. black. Mm-hmm. I was white. I was, you know, Asian. Okay. I was Native American. I had smallpox. I gave blankets that had smallpox on them. You know, I don't know. I, oh. I don't know because I don't know. And nobody sure, can sure. speak to knowing. Right. To be emphatic about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. all we can do is yeah. see what resonates with ourselves. But right, right. I don't get it. I don't know why a baby born comes up and says, I'm going to be a jerk for the whole for my whole life, and I'm going to think these people are worth less, and these people are worth more based on the virtue of how much money they make, where they came from, who their parents are. It's crazy to me. Yeah. That, that's me. And there yeah. are plenty of people that might even listen to this that get irritated by this conversation because it sure. resonates with them that they behave that way. Right, right. They have every right to. It's their yeah. life, but it's unfortunate. To me, it's unfortunate. And add to that, you know, there are things, there are influences that each one of us have had from birth to also inform us. And, you know, it. and I'm not even just saying, oh, who raised you? You know, that's definitely a huge part of it. Who raised you and how did they raise you? But there also comes a point when you as an individual start to receive the world in a certain way and perceive the world in a certain way. And, and that's a personality decision and that's a personality choice. So within that, the, the, the experiences that we have all had have informed who, who we are and how we believe ourselves to be and the world to be and what we deserve and what we owe. Yeah, and who's to say? I and, mean, you know, a gratitude totally versus not. normal parenting couple mm-hmm. may raise a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, sociopath. He's just a sociopath yeah. that used his his personality to become what he became. And yeah. then you have there a sociopath a lot of like those. a Ted Bundy that yeah. lures girls into cars. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's who's to say? Does that have anything to do with their parents? Is we it weren't genetic. We weren't there though. That's the I thing know. too. You we know, can't, who's, who we knows? weren't. We we weren't there. Nobody sat down and talked to but, Steve Jobs' parents. And, I always say, look at Sam. You come from a family of three children, as do I. My brothers and myself are. So different. Really? We were raised by the same people. Mm-hmm. Are I mean, are your siblings very similar? Or we? I know well, you're we're close. very close. Yeah. You know, um, 
we have definitely a red thread that joins us in um, the way we perceive the world. And that might be rare or that may be because we did kind of have a shock to the system and move here. And we were, you know, very much the entire family was really, you know, in the new, like a a nuclear family in that way. But, but like, for instance, like our, we're also each two years apart. That may make a difference. Like, how about you and your siblings? Are you way all... different? Seven years, seven. That years. also, of course, that has to do a lot with it yeah. too. And as the world changes, and as the as the parents change, and as the world changes, like there are definitely different ways of raising kids. And I think that's the thing is like we were all two years apart. Two and a half is the yeah, max. Yeah, so you're basically you know like little puppies, you know, falling together. Over each other. Yeah, yeah, you know, together, and, and so we're experiencing life. With as a, a two-year difference as, as a, a team. team. Yeah, yeah. Sure that makes sense. Yeah. So you, it's fascinating. you're going to school, you're getting a great education that mm-hmm. also includes music and... Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I went to Hume Fogg, um, academic magnet here in Nashville downtown. And, you know, and, and children came from all over the city. We didn't even have a, you know, Metro didn't uh, fund school buses, you know, because it is, you know, it's... it's it's a lot. Yes, it would have. It would have been an expensive fleet to go around the, the city to pick up children in all these varying yeah. places. So that was a lot of strain and work for parents. I remember myself and many of my friends. We rode the metro school bus when we might have been even too young to even do that. You know, yeah. just like just get on and then do your transfer downtown and then go. You know, but but we also we learned you know a lot from that and. Um, but all that to say, I learned the value of not only an elevation of education, I learned the value of, of thinking beyond what you might perceive your limits to be. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing inside about something my father who is now um, a life coach and he, you know, project manager, uh, trainer, and stuff. He sent my sister and I this 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 uh, forward that he had seen things to to not say in business, like phrases that you should take pull out of your life. Just and one of those <laughs> was, does this does that make sense? Does that oh, make sense? interesting. And I was laughing inside. I said that. I say that. I yeah. Think. Well, it's a great, it's a I really know fascinating say sorry list. a lot. And yeah. You're not supposed to say just. And you're not right. Supposed to say you know, and the list is full of things like don't say, I'm confused, or don't say, you know, like there, it's just to be like, you know, I need to write, and I'm sorry, or is one of them, but it's like, well, well, in an, in a roundabout way, but the the big one is like one of the big ones is does that make sense? I just realized that you know because it's 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 discounting that that person isn't going to take their time to process that patronizing. Yeah, it can, it can be. But for me, when I say it, it's truly, it's truly that it's truly like, I know that sounds, does that sound weird? That's what I say when I say, does that make sense? I I feel like, does that sound weird? Yeah. Anyway. So did you experience any kind of weird hate or anything like that? I mean, did that, you know, my stuff came in an interesting way. My stuff came as I was an immigrant, as I was a child with a quote-unquote funny accent. 
Oh, you had an accent back then? Oh my goodness, I had a... I guess that makes sense. Yeah, no. I had a super thick West African accent. I talked like this, and I said my words like this, and sometimes people would make fun of me. And, but it... Sometimes they would just giggle because it sounded different to them. And children are children, and they're just discovering things, and they don't really know how to react to things. And so I would speak in a way, and they'd giggle. But what I found to be really interesting or, I I guess, ironic is when there was uh, a two-year period where from the private school system before I got into Meg's, there were two years where I was um, in this particular public school and I was made fun of more than I ever knew possible. And But I was called things walking down the hall for the way I dressed and the way I spoke and from the country I was from. And the biggest phrase that I would hear every day, and I knew I would hear it every day walking down the hall, it's funny now in a way, but not really. But I was called African Booty Scratcher. What does that even mean? mean? What does that even mean? African Booty Scratcher. I think, you know, kids find these little catchphrases, and this was the catchphrase of the time. And, you know, they'd ask, like, did you... Did you, like, ride on elephants? Did you swing in trees like monkeys, you monkey? Like, there were all these things that children would say to me. And it's, it's, it's tricky. Those came from my fellow, uh, shall I say, people who were the same skin color as myself. Those were the only people who made fun of me. What? And I struggled That's with that. fascinating. I struggled with that for a really long time. I struggled and struggled and struggled because for me, I'm, you know, I struggled to be a fighter, you know, because I was also raised to choose peace over anger and choose peace over violence. And so in those times, I, you know, I was like, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to punch somebody in the nose. You know, I'm not going to show and express my sadness in this other way that's not helpful and you know conducive to progress. But I was always, I'd go home and I'd be, why, why, why? And I'd sit in class and I'd ask myself, why, why, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And it wasn't until I was, I was older that it was a light bulb that came off to me that, you know, I had I started having grace for, for my you know, fellow brothers and sisters in this way, because at the time, the word minority was the buzz phrase, was the phrase that people were using, and um, and and also uh, affirmative action was being discussed when I was coming coming up. And I can only imagine that children were going home, and their fam- their families and their parents were having these discussions, and you know, and saying like, you know. Because I don't know if you know this, but within the African-American community, affirmative action was considered something that most people didn't even want to to be a part of. Being called a minority was what most people didn't want to be associated as. We wanted to 
just have everybody wanted to just have equal bearing equal place we didn't want anything that was special nobody Lots wanted special labels. treatment sure sure yeah it it, it 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 puts you in this other place it causes you to be more excluded it more excluded it causes you to be more excluded um so here i was in this situation as a child i was even more of a minority than my african-american brothers and sisters and so to get that magnifying glass off of them, mm. they didn't want it. To get that magnifying glass off of them, they would say, look at her. She's even more of a minority than we are. Oh, look at her. She's literally from Africa. Yeah, yeah. So to make fun of me and to, to, to magnify my differences caused them to be more accepted. That's exactly what I was saying is people treat other people based on how they're feeling about themselves. Right. It's like... You know, there were Jews in concentration camps that killed Jews for mm. the Nazis. Mm. Because as long as they're looking over here, mm-hmm. they're not going to kill wow. me. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, and it's pretty wild. And I think once I realized that, you know, and I didn't have this misplaced anger, I lost all the anger for it. Mm. And I lost. How old were you at that point? Well, um, I then seven, I was in seventh grade wow. when I finally so you're got old it. Soul, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, I, I cannot deny that. And I won't deny that because I know it's what's carried me through and it's what, it's what has caused me to survive. Do you find that children or adults are more cruel when it comes to that kind of thing or ignorant? Or 158% whatever. children are more cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, Adults, they're, because they're more. That's right. Because yeah. children are more forward. Because even myself as a child, I would say some things to like my my my. I remember there was <laughs> like children just say things. Like I remember my dad had a friend who came over, and his breath smelled. And so I said, and I thought I was being cute, and I said, "Daddy," and I asked him to come down to my ear level so I could tell him. I was like. His breath smells. I knew that that man could hear me. I knew that I was saying that out loud, but I thought it was cute. Right. I got a biggest spanking for that, you know. But that's the thing is that children don't always know. You can't say that. You shouldn't say that. I prefer an honest racist to a duplicitous racist any day. Yes. I'd rather know where I stood as far as, you know, the company I keep. You That's the one that I always say about Trump is say what you will about him. He's... I think a nut job, but I think he's a bird dog. I think he is flushing out the racists and the homophobes and the xenophobes. Oh, they're exposed, the, all right. Do you know what I mean? But he he came in and just flushed all those people out. Mm-hmm. Which say what you will, but I'm I'm happy to know who the people are that are those people because it's not really my vibe, you know. And they yeah. some of them like I have friends. I was like, what? Like, you believe this? How mm-hmm. did I not know that? Mm-hmm. You know, peace be with you, but on yeah. I go, because... Yeah, that's, that's a great phrase, peace be with you, but on I go. <gasps> that is really great. Dang I can never heard that. that. Peace I be with you, it. but I on I go. <laughs> I really love that. You know, and I, I find that in so many different aspects of, of, of the experience of life, of living in the journey, is you're going to meet so many people whom you don't agree with, and you're going to meet, you know, people you have to... You have to still live with and exist mm-hmm. around. And you have to find a way to just say, you know what? Yeah. And I'm, here's the thing, and I there said this go. before we started the tape, is I, I, 
I welcome discourse. I do. As long as it doesn't get violent yeah. or insane. Yeah. I mean, I am all about having a differing, differing opinion. And that includes, yeah. I mean, I want to know what the racist thinks. I do. I want to know what the, you know, anti-Semite thinks. Yeah. Because if I don't know, yeah. I, I don't feel safe yeah. with the unknown. Yeah, I want to know too. I, I definitely do. I want to know. And, you know. and I certainly and, don't encourage the behavior, but right. I'd rather know than not know. Right. And for me, it also allows me to... To try to seek what that person is going through or sure. has gone through to get to that point because it is true nobody is born a racist doesn't seem nobody like it would be is <laughs> no especially when you see you see children babies existing yeah together yeah they do not have any concept no of it so, well, it's it comes funny from because somewhere. to use Trump as an example again, and all the people who, who love Trump, I'm not dissing you. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I'm just using this as an example. The thing is, is you know, when when he started, things started really cooking. They they started to get the um, the Nazi, you know, the Hitler reference back and forth with Trump. Like, oh, he's like Hitler. You know? Oh yeah, I heard that. And, yeah. uh, and it's funny because. Yes, speaking to that, you have to be taught. But guess who's doing all the teaching these days? It's not. It's not just the parents. It's the media. It's it's social media oh and it's news. And honest to God, it's prime yeah. time television. You watch. Yeah. I don't. You know, like you turn on. I don't know any of these crime shows. But you turn on most of these shows. Yeah. And who's the perpetrator? Mm-hmm. Is it a nice looking white dude? Right. Not so much. Right. Now, I mean, they've. They've kind of now they're, it's, you know, Latinos are the bad guys or whatever it is, or Muslims, you know, that makes me insane because I have plenty of lovely Muslim friends who wouldn't hurt a fly. Of course. And they're scared out of their wits right now. Of course. Scared out of their wits. Scared for their their families and... And the people we know and exist with, we are all in the same state, in the same state as what is going on. And it's... You know, it's who for you know, and for me, it's who I don't know that oftentimes I am leery of, and you know, and I know that I have been lucky to have been surrounded by people, even growing up in the South, even in the midst of all these things that have happened, and you know, that I can say I have my stories to tell. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying there has never been an outright you know, uh, scenario where I have experienced racism from people, you know, who are not my skin color. Cause I've definitely experienced that as well. Um, but when I was older and wiser and also able to know that that I'm so thankful that I learned it it's in seventh grade, that that comes from a place of, of fear and of self judgment, yeah. um, in, in an interesting way. Um, but the South gets, you know, the South gets bullied up for being filled up with the with the racism and all that. But I come from Washington State, and you go over mm. the mountains to Eastern Washington, plenty of that there yeah. too. I yeah. mean, it's it's yeah. it has no boundary. It right. doesn't. It's everywhere. Right. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, and I do believe that it definitely comes from what you don't know. It is the ignorance thing again. Well, I think you, know? you spoke to it so well when you said that other kids in your school 
with your same skin tone as you put it, you know, would point at you and say, well, that one's from Africa. Right. At least I'm not from Africa. Right. And I think that that is an unfortunate, it's that, what is that old poem? It's, I keep using Hitler. It's such a great example. You know, the Nazis, you know, came through and asked for the Jews, and I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't say anything. Yeah. And then they came through and asked for the blacks, and I wasn't a black, so I didn't say anything. And right. then they wanted the gypsies, and I wasn't a gypsy, so I didn't say anything. Yeah. And then eventually there was nobody left to speak, speak up for me. me. Yeah. And again, that's the whole point of freaking humanity. Yeah, that's Where it. Where did we forget that's that we right. are human beings? That's right. And somebody, I made yeah, a joke we, the other day, and then I heard the joke again today from somebody else. I was like, well, it must be on everyone's mind that, is it true that the only way to unify us as a world is for an alien invasion? <laughs> it's just like, is that the bring only way? Bring it on, I know. Please. I keep saying bring that. Bring it on. Come on. Honestly. We're like, I they're green. Like, That's really weird. Bring <laughs> it on, because that would definitely unify. I'm like... Now, do you resonate? Is, is it black? Is it African American? I don't even know anymore. I'm so for good. myself. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, so when I, when I became a citizen in my twenties, that's the first time I started calling myself an African American. Literally, you are. Yeah, because <laughs> literally, I am. You know, and that was always hard for me before. You know, because there, because at the time when this was all going down, where where I felt kind of ostracized in a, in a way that I didn't understand. It was the time where the, the, the phrase African-American was the used and utilized term, right? So I was like, wait, you know, I'm African-American. I'm like African and you are African-American. So how is this such a different thing? Why do we differ so much? But so I was African and then I became African-American ever since I was little, filling out these consensus things and filling out these forms for test scores. From the very get-go. Yeah, I just was, when I would see these terms, they didn't have anything for me. They didn't have anything for me because also when, you know, back in the day when I was little and, and coming up in school, I think the forms have changed now, but at the time it was white, black, Pacific Islander, um, Native American, there uh, Asian, Hispanic. There were these terms, but the you know the only ones that had a color association were white and black. And when I picked up a Crayola box of crayons, sure, I colored my skin tone brown. I took a brown crayon and colored my skin tone brown. I took a black crayon and colored my hair. You know, or, you know, if I was doing a picture of my friend Christy, Christy Gardner, I would take a peach colored crayon and color her skin and take a brown crayon and color her hair. So I didn't understand why I was made to choose a color to, to deal with that. But, but again, that was something that was created before my time that I was still learning to understand. And now I know that the terms black and white, you know, come from a beginning of time almost kind of thing where when the separation was needed uh, to, to differentiate slaves versus non-slaves, uh, good versus evil, all these things, these, these words, these colors, black and white mm -hmm. were used. And to this day, I still find it 
in our vocabulary is, you know, you've got, you know, the, 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 the black knight is the evil knight. The white knight is the good knight, you know. Uh, you're scared of the dark. Oh, it's you an advertising. In it's in everything. You know, and <laughs> there's a song that, you know, because I grew up, I grew up um, Christian, and there's a song that we would sing in church. Um, oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. And every time in my mind, I would say, how can blood wash white? That makes no sense. And that's how I knew it was a social program. So I've always fought against that social program because I think that there is a subconscious way that we do continue forward in our society. So I am a person who... You know, if, if you want to and need, if you feel the need to call me a color, call me a color by a Crayola box. We are all colored. Yeah, right. If you're using a Crayola box. Sure, yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's what I, so I say, I say brown and people are like, oh, brown people are Indian. And somebody's like, no, brown people are Hispanic. I'm like, no, well, Indian people brown. are Indian. I'm sort of ground, greenish brown. Yeah, it's like Indian. <laughs> You know, it's like everyone wants to be like, oh, brown people are Hispanic. It's, just, Indian. it's, it's like, like a simple, but, but yeah. you know, Hispanic people are Hispanic. Right. Indian people are Indian. Right. Why is it that white people are white and black people are black? And I know that it's because, oh, it's so hard to kind of take everyone and classify them in their own original way. You know, but it's like, okay, well, then if you have to choose a color, can we choose the real color? This is my frustration with what you're saying right now. It, it's, it makes so much sense. And I get frustrated when I hear, especially when I hear white people say, well, they just, why are they so worried about this? I'm like, uh, try, try being in their shoes for five minutes, mm -hmm. uh, for, I don't know, five, six, seven hundred years. I mean, how long has, a pre you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just in America. And There's, it's not, yeah, that's it's not right. just the last 250 years. I mean, yeah. like, the thing is, it's like everyone is... It, 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 one of the things I wanted to talk about today was your perspective on all the stuff going on out there with the Black Lives Matter and mm -hmm. then that immediate, I think, mm. pretty mm -hmm. kind of gross response yeah. of all lives matter. Yeah. Well, no shit, all lives matter. Of course, all lives matter, but right. you're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so yeah. easy for somebody who looks like me mm -hmm. to be like, well, all lives matter. And, you know, why... Well, there's a reason why we need to say Black Lives Matter yeah. or, you know, whatever. There's a, there's a yeah. real reason for that. There is a discrepancy in that being a, a true reality um, and being something that, you know, is expressed in the way we live and the way we, we view things and, and, and the way our interactions are. And even statistics, the way statistics are laid out, like, you know, going back for a millisecond to um, even the way health insurance works, they list, you know, African Americans as being more prone to diabetes and more prone to heart disease and things like that. So the older I get, they're going to continue to put me on, oh, she's, she's one year older, so now, you know, because you know what, one day she's probably going to have diabetes, she's probably going to have heart disease, and that is so not a progressive-minded thought. That's well, not, not an that, enlightened... It doesn't, it doesn't take into mind socioeconomics. I mean, a white person who eats like crap because maybe that's all they can afford because let's be honest, poor people yeah. eat like crap because right. they can't afford the organic right. food and the healthy food. So they eat 
crappy food. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be predis you know, they're they're predisposed to get yeah. diabetes and right. heart attacks and right. you know, all that stuff. But again, like you were saying, it's like you Yeah. You've been placed into this little tiny box. It's ridiculous. Right. And it frustrates the crap out yeah, of me so it's, bad. It's, 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 it's really frustrating. I have so, so many thoughts on all of that you just said. But I think if we have another uh, another cast where we talk about food, I would love to dig into that separately. Yeah, you're a big chef person. Well, right? I am a cook. What's the difference between cook and chef? I've always um, well, the main difference is training. Oh, it's okay. It's professional training. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and you also have to clock a certain amount of hours where you cook for people. And then you become a chef. Yeah, but, you know, the, the main the main thing is to have professional training. Okay. Is, is the big one. But, but, but also an equally large part of it is, is cooking for people, like, in public. Like, cooking for... Well, cooking for other people and not just... You know, you're a cook. Like, and even some people who are trained... I have friends who are trained in culinary school and they will not call themselves a chef, you know, if they're, you know, if they're private cooks or whatever, all these different things. But I'm still trying to sort it through and sort it out. But I know that all of my, my friends who are in the the food industry, they really look down on, on when people call themselves chefs, they'll be like, I'm a cook or, you know, chefs, you know, are a certain thing, you know, there's, there's a hierarchy to it. I'm still trying to learn it. All I know is I love to cook. Right, you know, and I'd love to talk about that more, you know, one day for sure. Um, You know, but back to I identify myself with it all now because, you know, what I also realized the more and more I learn about my American culture because I am now also an American. I chose that when I was in my early 20s. So I very much study it in a way that when Maya Angelou says, black when dr martin luther king jr said black you know that yes these were terms that were given to our people to to put us to to, you know to put us in this place and in this lower position it's like you know negro black like these things these that were given to say what we were but to also differentiate us from you know another person another people it's a reclaiming, it's almost a reclaiming of the word, which I am learning and discovering, even though, you know, I can't say, I can't say that I am saying like, okay, even though I understand that it's a reclaiming because of the oppression that was put on a person, you know, it's something that I still am working through how I feel about it, but I understand the use of taking the word black and making it a positive and not a negative. Mm-hmm. I very much understand now more than ever where that comes from and why that's important to say black lives matter because you know what? The majority of people don't think as I think, don't perceive like, oh, we're all colored. <laughs> if I got up on the, the at the Capitol building downtown and got a bullhorn and said, we are all colored, we are all colored, we are all colored. Everyone would have a differing, differing opinion, but most people would say, hell to the no, I'm not colored, because they don't want what comes with that term. And there are other people that would also say, hell to the no, they're not colored, because they don't know what we've gone through being called colored our whole lives. Did you have a colored bathroom? Did you have a colored uh, restaurant and diner counter? There's, there's differentiation. Sure. So you, 
you know, you can't just say, oh, we're all this and then not expect people who have experienced the history of it right. and know what that history is to say that it's equal and that you can just gloss over it. But it's still a struggle for me because in the same way that, you know, we're trying to take back words and take the negativity out of them and make them positive. I struggle with people trying to reclaim the N-word. I really struggle with that personally, you know, but it's like... Like, like rap culture or something? Or well, whomever. Yeah. Whom, not just even rap culture. I mean, it's used in, in our communities. It's not, you know, I definitely, like, I'm not a person who says, like, oh, it's this, this, you know, this person started it or that person started it or whatever, you know, because I I feel that it is just in, is so ingrained in society, um, this word, and, in, you know... And in every society, without saying too much, I will say that. But it's something that I struggle with. So I'm like, I don't really want to reclaim a word that was gifted, shall we say, <laughs> to my to, to 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 you know people of this certain skin color to my skin color, um, to say that you know you are negative and you do not deserve equal respect. I don't want to reclaim that word, you know, um, but I would love to also spend more time having conversations with anybody who does say that word as a reclaiming word. Like I would love to sit down with Jay-Z and have a conversation. And I think that he would probably educate me on some things that I haven't thought about. All right, Jay-Z, if you're listening. Yeah, sure yeah. He could be listening. You, <laughs> he never, could, know. you never know. <laughs> you know, and I really, re that's the thing is I, I respect him so much. So I'm like, you know what? But if I a, could sit down and talk yeah. to him, maybe there'd be, I would see a reason. That's, a, that's to me, that's such an important thing. The dialogue is everything. Yeah. The dialogue is everything. Yes, because yes. we cannot... The only way I can perceive you, Ruby, mm -hmm. is through all of my own experiences. Right. It's the only way I can understand you. Mm -hmm. And for me to say, oh, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Well, not really, because mm -hmm. I'm not you. You know, yeah, right. I can't be in your mind or your body or your soul. So yeah. I, all I can do is sort of, it's like a little bit of yeah. a guesswork thing. Yeah. Right. So I, I agree. It's important to go to the, the source conversation. and say, yes. The you conversation know, is so even if you don't agree important. with it, yes. to hear the words coming from the person that is the one saying it, yeah. instead of reading about it or or, yeah. or getting your information secondhand. Again, speaking to the Black Lives Matter, somehow it's being bastardized and meaning meaning you know, oh, the Black Lives Matter movement just wants to you know shoot at cops or something, mm. or you know, and it's like it has nothing and those to do with it. Those, and that that is not a part of That's that like movement saying, at all. No, of course not. It's ridiculous. And it's unfortunate and the ignorance that is perpetrating. And I just, you know, I just know that it's going to be one person at a time in terms of education. Yeah, it's really going to be one person at a time. You know, and with all that is going on, and you know, and I want to talk a minute about, you know the the crimes that are going on that that cops are committing within the community and then the community also then in the retaliation, retaliation committing yeah. crimes as well and you know this is something for me that it breaks my heart on every level yeah. and on both sides have i experienced law enforcement who has abused power yes 
have I experienced law enforcement who has upheld their responsibility to serve the people? Yes. What have I experienced more of? The latter. Of the good. Of the good. Yeah. So when when now I'm hearing because of some poison apples and some rotten apples within the system who are making things a terrible place and I get so angry about that. Um, I also feel that you cannot generalize and say we are all this way. They are all this way. Just in the same way that some idiots who are shooting cops because they're angry. That does not justify what's going on. But unfortunately, now a lot of people are clumping all of... Of course. That's what we do. It's just like the Muslim thing. It's just like, you know, it happens all the time. It really does. And it's so frustrating because the people that are shooting at cops, that's wrong. Period. And you're probably shooting people that are good police officers. So really, you're negating your own cause because you're going to take out the good cops. Which... There are way more good cops than there are bad cops. There are. You know, and but yeah. there are violent people of every color yes. and creed and yes. religion and whatever. And yeah. they do not represent the, the whole. Right. But the media, that's not a good freaking story, is it? No, it's not, you know, and I heard something today, I was listening I like the Joe Rogan podcast. Um I'm not really into the MME fighting thing which he talks a lot about, but he has mm. some really interesting guests and I listened to one today. Um, I think his name was Michael Schmidt. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were talking about... Um, oh, shoot. There goes my train of thought. It just went... Whoosh. I was thinking about all the other stuff. Uh, they were talking about the... Oh, Joe Rogan said, you know, nobody talks about all the great stuff that the police officers are doing or mm-hmm. that the African-American communities are doing or whatever. And yeah. that's not a good story. But right, right, the police right, right. officers are... Right, on both know, sides, on all yes, sides. absolutely. Uh, and it's just... Gosh, they want to deal with Because it doesn't sell... Sensationalism no. sells. Mm-mm. Salacious no. content sells. And, yeah. You know, one police officer beating the crap out of a guy or shooting a guy clearly in the wrong... The, the police officer clearly, clearly in the wrong... Clearly in the wrong. Clearly not the wrong. even... You know, amount the 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 bulk of the police officers every day fighting the good fight, trying to help, trying to serve, did it because they love humanity. You know, whatever. Which Nobody doesn't talks about that, that? No, they don't. And which this is the thing I I think everyone is like, which does not discount that we have to deal with why that happened and how that cannot continue to happen. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's people are mistaken when they think it's got to be one or the other. I agree. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It's it has color to be gray. Yeah, that's the thing. It has to be. It has to be all. You have to deal with it all. You can't. Gosh, you know what? What was it like? Somebody's like, if you are angered by the shooting by by cops shooting black people, but not angered by black people shooting cops, you are also part of the problem, and that that is true, and that is you know. There's, you know, it, it nearly, there's so many times where I just want to burst into tears. You know, like it nearly brings me to that point when I think about it and when I talk about it because I don't, I don't know what the resolve is going to be because you know what is pushing this is fear. Mm-hmm. It's all fear, money. always. And money. But that's fear too, isn't it? I guess it is, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. What are we afraid of? And 
and and and we're how afraid of we, ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we're afraid to look within. Yeah. The minute we look within, there's a lot of heavy lifting to do. A lot of heavy lifting. A lot of heavy. So lifting. much easier to point at other people. Yeah. You know, and people are like, well, I only have, you know, 70 to 80, 90 years on the earth. Well, you know, am I going to have time to change the world? Nope. I'm just going to do my own thing and stick to my, and that's what most people do. And honestly, that is what most people do is they say, I've got this amount of time on the earth. You know, I'm going to, going to create my life and deal with my life. And then I'm going to be gone. And then I'm not, you know, because they think like you can't change the world in 50 years, in 60 years, in 70 years, in 80 years, so people don't try. Tell that to Martin Luther King Jr. That's right. That's Tell absolutely that to right. Tell that to Gandhi. That's absolutely right. And that it always baffles me that people don't get that and see that and say, you know what? One voice. Connecting with one voice. Connecting with one voice. Connecting with one voice. And then that voice becomes... The loud, the Amen. loudest. I totally believe that. Yeah, absolutely. So we just have to continue to share that. I think that's what it is, is we have to continue to, to not be silent. So what would you tell your children, should you have them? About? I, if I had, if I have children, I would tell them, don't be silent. Don't be silent, but also educate yourself on what you're speaking about. Yes, we are going to be overwhelmed with emotion at times. And yes, there is a time and a place to share emotion. But also ask yourself, is this going to create progress or is this going to stifle? I really feel strongly about that. You know, it's like if my potential future daughter... <laughs> knocks over her little brother I'm going to ask her what was the benefit of that or why did you do that well I was mad so you knocking him over and him hitting his head on the end of the coffee table and him bleeding did that accomplish what you wanted to accomplish did that make what you think he did to make you upset did that fix it or is he now going to be even more angry because you hurt him and is that going to continue him hurting you and not having any, you know, patience or, you know, or clarity to, to treat you better next time? Or understanding. Yeah. And that's what I'll say. And that's what I say even to, to myself, to my friends, to people I don't know, to my fans. How are your actions going to help and not hurt? Do you feel like they listen? I want to feel that. I want to believe that. And I will always continue to hope for that. And that's why I will, I will, I will always continue to speak forward. Because I will always hope that somebody's getting it. That somebody's really listening and processing it. Well, this conversation right here is, is it helps. I mean, that's the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast. Yeah is to make the world smaller. Mm -hmm. And maybe somebody listening who be like, Ugh, Black Lives Matter, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever, goes, oh, I didn't think of it from that perspective. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, somebody yeah. who makes fun of immigrants or thinks that immigrants shouldn't be in the country. Yeah, right. Right. You know, well, 
here's a beautiful woman who is an immigrant who mm-hmm. has done quite well with herself. Mm-hmm. So is mm-hmm. she not okay with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to be carefully taught in the words of South Pacific. You remember that musical? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Carefully. Carefully taught. Yeah. It's, that is it. That's it for sure. Heavy stuff. Say something. Let's talk about something fun and festive. What, have, what projects have you got going? Well, um, when does this come out, by the way? When you uh, put this up? I mean, next week. Okay. Uh, next week, like... So not this week, but next. Yeah, it'll. So I just launched this particular podcast. So yeah. um, I launched with three episodes. So in a week, I'll I'll put up the next. So episode. exciting! Yeah, I'm That's excited. Awesome. Um, I'm currently working on going to Newport, Rhode Island for the first time and playing Newport Folk Festival. Oh, that's exciting. Which is wonderful. And I have to admit, I didn't know what Newport Folk Festival was. And this word folk, you know, is something that sometimes has has not been a word that has served me. You know, I remember when I first started doing music and people wanted to compare me to Tracy Chapman and she was folk and you know and then I had to discover what does this word folk mean you know and it's like oh well you're a storyteller you know you're you're singer songwriter and you're, you're telling a story I'm like okay that's that's folk but that's not folk when you look at the music you know and then when I look at what I do it's like I'm not that you know now but that's also the progression of how music has changed so when I heard of Newport Folk Festival, I didn't really understand what that was. And as I studied it, I realized that that was, at the time this festival began, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that was what the type of music that was, you know, was prevalent. Um, and so that's... Storyteller kind? Is that what you mean? Yeah, folk, yeah. well, folk music, right. So it was right. the Newport Folk Festival. So it was Joan Baez, it was Joni Mitchell, it was... You know, but but also Jimi Hendrix played it. So there you go. Like there there were, you know, definitely people who made their way. But now, you have a festival where Newport Folk Festival is the Violent Femmes, is Ryan Adams, is My Morning Jacket, is Nora Jones, is Leon Bridges. Is, you know, and so wow, it's this different thing. So the name <laughs> yeah. still holds because the name you know has always been it. So it's a point of reverence. Sure. But I'm excited because now I get to you know experience this amazing festival which i think is much like woodstock was and cool. you know so but do you, how do you identify your own music which is the worst question ever when you it get really asked. is and i may not even be able to answer that well for you um but i feel this way here's how i feel about the type of music that i do and also the type of music that i think a lot of my friends do is if we had the money to market to get our songs in the people's ears on these stations who are only playing a certain type and realm of music if we had that money we would be as popular as any of those people who are considered quote unquote mainstream i agree that's what i absolutely 150% believe because if you think about the people who have made it through that system where you had a label who was a mainstream label who believe a label who believed in something that was a little left of center and pushed it and got other people to fund and push it and put it on top 40 radio 
you might have listened to it at first and been like, what's that doing on this station next to this bubblegum pop thing? But the more and more you play it, the more and more people recognize it and say, like, you know what, I like this. And I would say that about Erica Badu. I would say that about Nora Jones. I would say that about the Beatles. I would say that about Hosier, my friend. You know, I would say that about Jack White. I would say that about so many artists whom, if you have an opportunity, if you give them an opportunity to reach the masses, it happens. So the word pop music, I believe, should be allowed to be really what it is, which is it, it reaches a, a mass population. It is popular because it reaches the population. And I just wish for everyone I know who does this thing, this art, if it's good art, I wish for all of us to get an opportunity to reach the masses. I wish that too. You know, it used to be the formats of the radio were you could hear everything and yeah. anything in a given hour. Yeah, I remember that. Again, the systematic dumbing down of humanity. It's mm-hmm. serving someone. I'm not sure who it's serving, yeah, but right. it's certainly serving someone. Right. And that's why... And fear reigns supreme in record labels, of course. Everyone's afraid of their job or doing the wrong thing, you know, whatever. You know, yeah, and the, and the more bang for the buck, and what's the, what's the most dumbed-down sound? What, you know, you know what I'm saying? What's the easiest thing to put forward? You know, because people are afraid of, like, oh, this is different. I don't know if I like it, and so I don't know if it's going to work. But if you have something that is simple and, you know, sound, like that's why they call it bubblegum pop. <laughs> Who doesn't like bubblegum? I know, right? So that's that's why that that works. But I, but but again, like when Erica Badu on and on and on and on when that came out, I remember everyone's like, whoa, 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 what is this? I love Erica Badu, right? Oh god! But even going way way back to the Beatles, like they were rejected so many times. Oh, they well, were rejected I mean, all, so many times. I saw a posting the other day. You're very active on Facebook. I really I love your feeds. Oh, thank In you. In fact, say say all your Facebook names because you have great feeds. Well, you know my my public Facebook is just Ruby Amonfu. So Facebook.com slash Ruby Amonfu. It's great. Yeah. And you know, in Instagram, I do a little bit of a different energy, you know, on my Ruby Amonfu page on Instagram, you know, and I, cause I think there's also different formats and a time and a place for things on different, you know, sometimes I, I, sometimes I cross Mm -hmm. and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that though. I try to No, it's great. I I try and read yours because you always, you, I find that you always have something really interesting to say. Thanks, girl. Yeah, so I enjoy I it very that. much. And I get excited when people, as I say, use Facebook for good instead yeah, isn't that of something? for hate, you know. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah. That we but now have to specify. I know. It's crazy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's pretty wild, but you know but what? I, on Facebook the other day, what my, my point I was about to make, it was on Facebook the other day, um, some very dear friends of mine who do a song thing, they have, you know, one of those, there's a million of them out there where songwriters kind of congregate and all this stuff and they had a post I'm not going to say their names because this is not there's no point to that but okay. there was a post that said something like uh, if it's a hit song it won't have to work that hard to be on the radio and I just I read that and it made me actually physically mad because that is the absolute non-truth that is it's, a lie it's absolutely a lie and it's propagating this mythology that is it's part of the problem and mm. it's it, you look at 
let's just take country music because that's these people come from that world. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The house that built me. Mm-hmm. Twelve years or something like that, getting pitched over and over and over yes. again yes. to no avail. Uh, who are you and I'm not looking. These yeah. are number one songs that were mm-hmm. not only number one for a week but several weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who are who am I? Who are you and I'm not looking? Is a Blake Shelton hit uh, written by uh, my friend Bud Lee, and it sat around for years. Nobody wanted it. Nobody touched oh my it. Goodness. And you, to your point, the Beatles, Elton yeah. John, Richard Marks. Yeah. I mean, you could name the the list goes on and on and on of people that fought, bled, and died to either get a song heard. Yeah. Or to get their art in general heard. Right. And to... It's just it's a mythology. Right. Nobody knows what a hit yeah. is. Even Nobody Billie knows. Holiday just working, working, oh, working. God. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. it's stuff like that really frustrates me because I think it's, again, speaks to that instant gratification culture that we have developed. Yes, yes. We're like, I'm going to write this song and I'm going to send it to the publisher and the publisher is going to play it for the artist. And if it's really a hit, the artist is going to go, yes, that's right. a hit. And, and then it'll, straight away. And it'll be a hit and it'll be, you know, yeah. make a jillion dollars and I'll have a big, huge, and it's such a mythology because yeah, that is not is. how it works. That's right. And many incredible books, paintings, you know, dancers, music, whatever it is, mm-hmm. many of these things Years and years and years go by before anybody even notices. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. There's so it frustrates me. Yeah, it frustrates me too. It <laughs> frustrates me absolutely. Yeah, but I can't, can't give it up. I won't give. Up. Well, you can't because it's who it you up. are. Yeah. I mean, Continue I, I, yeah. how yeah. many times have people said to you, "Well, why do you even do this if it's?" it's yeah. Well, oh, because yeah. it's in your blood. It's it who it you is, are. and and there. I'm not saying there haven't been times when I have wanted to walk away or thought sure. about walking away, but. I think I'm through that. I'm over that now, knowing that well, this is it. Like this is what I, this is what I do. You are. This is well. This is you know. I I am a musician. I am a musician. Yeah. You know, Ruby is a musician. Yeah. But you've had a lot of really wonderful things this past year. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I obviously I haven't known you your whole life, but I feel like that people are starting to finally come to their senses. Oh, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for saying that. It's true. I mean, and that must feel good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I continue to plug away and that's the thing is I, I'm definitely a believer that they're all seeds planted. And if you give up on nurturing and watering seeds, you won't ever see the harvest. And some things take longer to produce a harvest than others. And you just can't give up because you never know when it's going to when it's going to sprout and bloom and bear fruit. And so I just continue to to just nurture those seeds I planted. Yes. Well, yeah. thank goodness that you didn't give up. Thanks. The world needs you. Well, thank you. And um, you know, well, it's cyclical, isn't it? You know, it's very cyclical because if nobody gave a crap about me, <laughs> then I wouldn't have any work to do so yeah. I want to be a good steward of that and well and I think you you yeah. sing and you write and you mm-hmm. cook your truth mm-hmm. and as long as there are people yeah. in the world yes being in their truth whatever yes. it is yes I mean yes I, I feel like there's hope <laughs> yes I believe that you know I want to believe that yeah. and of course there are people who say well my whatever insert negativity is my truth and for that, I understand. You can't know Jesus without knowing Hitler. I get that whole rhetoric. I get it. But I'm on the side of truth and love. Yes, so me too. Let's bring that. That's right. We have to. And let's cheers to that. Cheers to that. That's yeah. right. Ooh, nice. Crystal. Nice sound. <laughs>
Yeah, we have to. We we have a responsibility. In those who know better, must do better. Absolutely, well put. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Thank you for. Thank you so thank much, you, for Susan. Doing this. I thank really you for asking it. me. Yeah, All and right. uh, we'll do another one where we talk about cooking. I would love that. Yeah, I, love that. I do and enjoy food and food. culture. Yes, and food and culture. Will you actually cook something that yeah, I get uh, to eat? Sure. Okay, yay! Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I, my I can cook like five things really, really well. But, you know, by myself, I tend to the quesadilla. I, really? I, I eat oh my gosh. all oh, the time. Oh, and you call it the quesadilla. Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay. So that's how I know that's serious. The quesadilla. Okay. Yes, I have mastered the art of quesadilla. I'll have to make you one sometime. They're very good. All right. Well, thank you, Ruby. Thank you, Susan. Yay.